1: The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Hi everybody. Jumping back into our discussion on Arrival this week. We start back as Louise and Ian are just getting to the military camp to begin their research with the aliens. Please enjoy and thank you as always for listening. Um
0: so we arrive at this military camp. Um and Ian and Louise get various badges and lanyards. Um they are given kind of a rather brusque medical check to make sure that they're like capable of doing this um we also see that there's like one part of this like tent complex just has like ten thousand different computer screens in it and people mm-hmm. working in various ways and we also see that there's like this constant video call like a constant oh man a constant zoom meeting that never ends
1: oh my um, god a 24 hour a, I know a day or just Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Awful.
0: awful. Um, and it's got, like, connections to the other, like, places where the ships have landed. So everyone's kind of weighing right. in on uh, what might be going on. Um, and so, and basically what we get from this is that no one has had success figuring out if the aliens are communicating Even that, like, are they communicating or are they just making noises, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And and if they are communicating, what are they saying? No one has had any luck Mm -hmm. anywhere about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we watch uh, Louise and Ian put on hazmat suits and go through kind of like various decontamination procedures to then go into the ship. Um, The ship... Do you want to try and explain what the UFO looks like?
1: I can tell you what it looks like from the outside. I was also confused about the inner workings of the ship. Mm, Okay. Outside, however, what it looked like was a giant oval or Mm -hmm. a giant bean or of some kind. Yes. Um, Like or a big giant rock, like a but very like flat
0: on one side and curved on the other, but in a shape of an oval and black.
1: Sort of like a really good skipping. Yeah,
0: yeah, it would be a good skipping stone for sure,
1: (laughs) but huge, super huge, kind of floating in the air and
0: hanging at an at like perpendicular, like if yeah, like if you thought about like, oh, flying saucer, you think of them as being like the flat bit would be like horizontal to the ground. Right. But in fact, it's not like that. It's standing up. Um, on one end
1: maybe that's why I was I was I was just like a little bit disjointed when we finally went inside it yeah I was a little lost as to like where we were
0: well that's also because so they drive up to the bottom of the ship and they say we've met we've figured out that like every 18 hours a door opens up on the bottom of the ship and so we're going to send you in there Um, so they have to be like lifted up on this platform and then they have to kind of jump into the ship and the reason like there's some kind of the gravity in the ship is different than the gravity on the ground so Uh when they jump from the platform on the ground into the hallway that is in the ship they move perpendicularly into the ship
1: that was what was confusing me i was like I was I was confused about like which way was up. Like, right, where, like, right. Where we so going?
0: like to uh, at first, and the way they shoot this, at first it looks like they're walking on the wall, like up the side yeah. of this shaft. But then when the yeah. camera turns, you see like basically the wall is the floor, um, mm-hmm. and so th- so gravity is just d- perpendicular in this ship rather than. Um, like perpendicular to the gravity that's on the ground, I guess is the way to say it. Um, And then they walk through this long hallway and they end up in a room that uh, I don't, like what I found myself wondering about this ship is like, is this a room that was designed specifically so that humans could come in there And when there's no humans in this ship, what does it look like? Um, Yeah, that I wasn't sure if what the deal was, but like, so they go in this room that has like a big screen, basically like a big window or barrier or something, Um, and it is through this screen that the aliens appear, kind of out of some mist. Um, and why don't you try and explain what the aliens look like to bring us around to what I started
1: with? Yikes. Well, they are, first of all, we don't ever like fully, fully see them like out of mist. Right. I mean, it gets like sometimes a little bit more clear, but the general... <clears throat> what I would say they resemble is like a big, very big black octopus of some yeah. kind. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and their tentacles or hands, arms, whatever that are long tentacles. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, have a thing where. When they can also, like, split off and have, like, more fingers that almost, I guess, that come out of them. Yeah. And that's, like, they they spew this, like, ink that is – anyway, but they look basically, like, big, giant – octopi
0: yeah like I was calling them spider octopuses because spider. yeah because yeah. it's like look spider at
1: because they're black
0: well and also because like if I'm doing it right now not that anyone can see me because this is a visual this is not a visual <laughs> medium but like if you were to take your hand and like hang it down so that your fingers were hanging down and like you see the back of your hand that's kind of what this thing looks like um, except it has seven legs rather than the five that your hand would make, because like even though it looks like an octopus, the legs have joints like a finger, like a yeah. spider, and then at the at the tip of those legs is what you're describing, which is this like tentacly sucker thing that comes off of yeah. it. Yeah. So. Uh, rather unpleasant to see. I would be very afraid. Um, both Louise and Ian yes. have very intense reactions to seeing them when they come back to the camp. I think Ian is throwing up into a trash can um, <laughs> at first, which I think is probably like an actually very normal reaction probably <laughs> um to yeah, to that yeah, level yeah. of like stress and disruption
1: yeah and it's not even so much that like i might actually throw up the minute i saw them and it's not even like because they're gross looking it's not right. like that type of like revulsion but it's more like oh my god
0: i'm just so completely overwhelmed what are we in? yeah 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 um, so, they basically are told, like, okay, you've had your first chance to, like, adjust to seeing them, so now let's, like, get going on figuring out what to do. get
1: over it now, basically. Yeah,
0: because meanwhile, we're still seeing more news clips of how violence is erupting uh all over the place, yeah. and so, like, the sooner uh, we make some progress, the better that this is going to be for everyone. Um... So then we go back into the UFO room and this time Louise has brought a whiteboard with her um, and she writes the word human on it. And for whatever reason, I don't know why she's the first to think of this, like what everyone has been doing up until this point is like trying to analyze the sounds that the what become called heptapods the sounds that they're making, um, rather than attempting to do any effort at, like, do you have symbolic language, right? So they haven't been trying to figure out how to write anything to anyone. Um, she, on the other hand, writes the word human on a whiteboard, um, and it, like, holds it in front of herself and shows it to the aliens, which elicits for the first time...
1: Oh, I was just going to say what would you do if you were in if you were her and then that big giant octopus thing just like pointed back at you and was like
0: human I I don't I, then maybe I'd puke. I don't know. You'd, you'd,
1: <laughs> I'd be like, "Hey, we cracked this in like a 2 day. seconds.
0: Oh, you're you're welcome." <laughs> um, well, what I was thinking about this weirdly um, they kind of raised this issue in an episode of Star Trek: Next Generation from long ago, um, and I and I am not a linguist, so I don't I can't speak to whether or not this is actually a good way of doing anything. But like, the thing that is difficult about encountering a new language for the first time is that mm-hmm. like, in the, and this is what Deanna Troy says. She like picks up. Captain Picard's cup of tea, and she says a word, and Mm -hmm. she's like, "What do you think I said? The the word for the cup? Do you think I said the word for hot? Do you think I said the word for the color of the drink? Like, um, depending on like this, and and you see this kind of even just when people are trying to uh, travel in a country where they don't speak the language." It's like, um, if this person that you're trying to speak to has no awareness of the other language, you could be like pointing at something and saying, like you could point at a fire and be like, hot. And then the other, mm-hmm. and the other person could point at the fire and they could say the word light. And you might be thinking you're saying the same thing, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, So the fact that Louise is saying human and then gesturing at herself, I'm like, they could. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna know that what that means is the name of their species. Like, they could think that her name is human. They could think like, cause she's pointing at her chest, so it's like, is that what does that mean? Like, um, Mm -hmm. so. But anyway, this is the the success of this is that one of, or maybe both of the aliens, I can't remember, put out that weird, let's call it a hand, tentacle. Um, And from that, they shoot out some ink. I mean, I don't know if it's ink, but that's what I'm calling it. Um, And it's a big circle. And so everyone's, like, really excited because this reaction has never happened before. Um, And they, because they, this is the whole thing, because they said this is in response to the word human. So this symbol must mean whatever they are. And I'm like, that's a, a bunch of leaps you're making that is there. A, that's a leap too, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, and it's and it's especially interesting because later when, uh, even in the next scene, when Louise is explaining her process, because they go back to the camp and Weber is like, why are you trying to teach them to read our language Um, We need to figure out what they're saying, like what the sounds mean. And Mm -hmm. she makes, we learn she actually completely lies to him and makes up a story about how when Captain Cook uh, encountered people, Aboriginal people in Australia, uh, when he pointed to a kangaroo and asked what it was, what he heard was the word kangaroo. um, And, She's like, and what that actually meant was, I don't understand what you're saying. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So she's like, so, but first of all, I'm like, even if that story weren't a lie, which you then turn around and tell Ian that it was a lie, but even if it weren't, that doesn't actually tell me why writing and speaking need to happen simultaneously. That doesn't really mm-hmm. answer that question. Um especially because as far as I know, Aboriginal people didn't have written language. Like, you know, like, anyway, I was just like, Mm -hmm. I don't think this story is doing the work that it supposedly is meant to do (laughs) in the context of this movie. Um, Meanwhile, we start to learn that though most countries are trying to share their information to try and figure out what to do um, and communicate with these aliens, China, however, has opted to keep any information that it's discovering to itself. Um, Meanwhile, they kind of are forging ahead and Louise is creating a vocabulary list uh, of what she's going to teach the aliens. Um, And Weber then gets quite upset at its simplicity. He's like, why just teach them um, the question, you know, the question we want to ask them is like, what are you doing here? Are you gonna kill us basically? Um, and then again, like in somehow, almost to me, in contradiction to the simplicity of this human thing, um, Louise like writes on a whiteboard, what is your purpose here? And she points out, like, first, before we even do anything, we need to determine whether or not they understand what a question is. Is like does their language have questions mm-hmm. in it? Um, mm-hmm. Then we need to figure out if they understand. Um, she's talking about the pronoun like "your." Like, do they? Yeah. Will they understand that to mean like, am I asking you specific alien about your purpose, or am I asking about you, the collective of aliens that you represent about your purpose? You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. The way she broke that down of how actually well, that is- this question that seems so easy actually depends on a lot of other information that you already know to well, ask you the look, question.
1: If you look online today, there's a lot of humans that don't understand pronouns. So <laughs> it's, you
0: know... Good it's joke, like, good one. How long have you been sitting on that one for?
1: Just when you started talking about pronouns, I was like, "How can I bring in pronouns?" Yeah,
0: how can we say how woke we are as a podcast? Let's no. do that.
1: No, no, I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not saying that. But I do see people constantly being like, "I will never put pronouns in my bio," or right. "I don't like this." And I'm like, you know that you are already use pronouns saying that. So it's. So anyway. Well, and then... So why would we expect the aliens to? And
0: then there's an even more basic thing than that. Like, can you tell me the difference between your and your?
1: That's always a
0: toughie. Oh, no,
1: they cannot. Most people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how can aliens even hope to know that if even native English speakers can't tell the difference between a pronoun and a contraction? You know, like... Correct. uh, We're we're in in trouble. trouble. We're in real trouble. Um... But I did I did find that really striking because, um mm-hmm. like, in a sense, like language is one of the simplest things that humans do, I suppose. Um, and we teach it to each other every day, all the time, and so much so that it feels natural, right? like your your mother language um, is like you don't even remember learning it. Um, you know and 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 the fact that there is this level of complexity of like every thing that you say is dependent not only on the words but like on all of the corresponding information um, and cues and traditions and customs that those words encapsulate you know like um, mm-hmm. which I was like oh that's really cool but like So that was quite sophisticated, and yet the way they're doing this seems quite not sophisticated. So I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. fair enough. Um, This is when then the kind of following day, I suppose, Louise and Ian show the aliens their names. They take off their spacesuits. And this is when the aliens show their own symbols for each other, for their names. Um, and the thing that I thought was weird about this is like so then the humans dub them Abbott and Costello like this symbol means Abbott this symbol means Costello and that's fine but I'm like once they start because then after this it seems to go like quite quickly they're starting to develop like the vocabulary like when this symbol comes it means this when this symbol comes it means that blah 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 yeah so i'm like don't you want to go back and revisit this abbott and costello thing what if their name is actually something like um time song solar flare you know like um you know like you could go back and work out like because Um, While many names in human culture are mostly just made-up sounds that are combined together, um, like what I've learned, I didn't know this, but like um, I have a lot of like Chinese international students uh, at Mm -hmm. Melbourne and Chinese names um, are actually like combinations of characters that are words, right? So you might, so especially for Women's names, like a woman's name, if you directly translated, like here's the characters, this is what your name is. Um, like if you translated it into English, you'd be like, Oh, your name is Beautiful Moonflower. Right. Um, that isn't typically how people do it, <laughs> but that's what it you know. <laughs> um, so I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, Well, you've figured out now this language, wouldn't you want to go back? and try and work out what their actual names are, you know, like, rather than just leaving it as Abbott and Costello. But nonetheless, that isn't ever really much of a thing. Um, This is when, as Louise becomes more and more familiar with the heptapod language, she starts to have what seem to be flashbacks. Um, And increasingly maybe even is, we're not sure, but possibly hallucinating, um, which doesn't seem great. Um, and what they've also learned as time goes on is that um, heptopods don't experience time in the way that humans do. So this is going back to the kind of opening gambit, like humans perceive time as only ever moving forward. Heptapods, as indicated even in the kind of circular nature of the symbols that they make, uh, I guess we might say they probably experience time as a loop or not even a loop, mm. but like as kind of without direction, maybe is a better way yeah. to say it. Um, so you can be in any moment of of your kind of story you can you can be in any moment at any time or another way to say it would be like you can kind of experience your entire life all at once or something um and so this is all happening it seems like they're making good success and headway in learning how to communicate with the haptopods, but in the real world things are getting increasingly more tense The first, when the news first broadcasts the first images of the heptapods to the world at large, it seems like violence erupts all over the world. People are not happy about whatever's going on here. Um, And uh, we start to see that even within like the military encampment, some of the soldiers who are just kind of um, underling types are increasingly kind of unnerved by, by the presence of these aliens and like what's going on. Um, and we get a little bit of a clip of one of them being radicalized by a, a like a super blabbering white guy um, kind of hacky radio persona person. Um, this time, uh, Asked, not only is Louise having flashbacks, it's now she's having very specific ones where we learn that um, she is getting a divorce or has gotten a divorce from the father of whoever her daughter is. Um, And she, so we're watching this flashback while simultaneously we're cutting back and forth between the flashback about divorce and Ian asking her if she has you know, kind of become so good at the heptapod language that she's dreaming in it. um, Because that actually is a common marker of when you've really mastered a language is you'll dream in it. Um, And then he also says, you know, they say that when you learn a new language, it rewires your brain. Um, And it certainly seems as though that might be happening with Louise, because as he's talking with her about this, and as she's flashing back, she's also having an active hallucination. Um, so, like, yeah. things are really seeming to be... Like, the wheels are falling off for her a bit. Yeah. Um, the next day, I think, um, Louise is asked to listen to some, like, spy chatter that they've taken of the Chinese efforts to communicate with their heptopods. And... Louise is listening and when she listens, she realizes that the Chinese have made some headway in um, communicating with heptopods, but rather than the method that um, she and Ian have been using, which is just kind of developing a vocabulary and working from that, apparently the Chinese were able to use um, mahjong the game mahjong as a way to start having communications with them and this concerns louise because she says it what it's done is that it's given the context to language that is only um competitive basically uh because because it's a game it's like win or lose um, you know, there's there's relatively confined options and context, and so it sets up the heptapods to only be able to speak about things in perhaps more um, threatening language than would be normally the case. Um, so she immediately runs off to her UFO to speak with Abbott and Costello, and finally... It seems like they've figured out how to ask this question, which is like, what are you doing here? What's the game? The, the goal?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and they respond with, offer weapon. Um, Not the best response. No. Um, this immediately sends everyone in the military camp into a massive tizzy, I guess you could say, um, <laughs> about what's going on um but louise is like we can't jump to any sort of conclusions we haven't taught them enough to understand their answer to us like um like right are they offering us a weapon are they saying we need to offer them something are they using the term offer when what they really mean is to give you know like um so there's all this stuff that remains unclear um but when they're standing around this table with various kind of like military people in the room um someone pitches the idea like maybe the heptapods in China and the heptapods here are trying to get us to fight with each other you know like get humans to fight with each other to make it easier for them to take over while we're busy with this other crap, you know, um, right? And Louise is like, well, there's no reason to suppose that. And I mean, there have been there were some interesting references to kind of colonial imperialism in this movie because that's the only frame of reference anyone has for like the equivalent of like this force that is basically unintelligible to you and way more powerful is just descending upon you and um, you have no ability to understand their motivations, right? Like, so um, in this meeting, people are like, well, that's what's happened before in human history is that some outer force will get the people the locals to fight with each other. And as they're busy doing that, this outer force just ultimately like tamps down on all of it. And it, you know, um, so they're like, so there's, there's no reason to assume that isn't what's happening either. And I would say, well, that might be a particularly bleak read. I think Louise tends to, um, give the haptopods quite a lot of credit. Um, yeah, that I, I, and it's, I mean, I do understand what she's saying, which is if if we're not communicating clearly, we shouldn't assume that everything is negative. But I guess what I would also say is you shouldn't right. assume everything is positive either. <laughs> you should just... Definitely. Um, and she seems more on that kind of end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so in light of this, uh, China and Russia then fully disconnect from the group, the information sharing that they had been doing. This causes everybody else to disconnect. The Zoom call is finally over with everybody. Thank God. I know, that went on for months, literally. Um, <laughs> so then um, Louise runs back to the UFO because she's like, I need to clarify what's going on. And everyone else is like, forget that. We're evacuating, like, get out of here. We're over it. <laughs> um, you know, this is a serious thing. Meanwhile, the various soldiers who've been increasingly like kind of radicalized and concerned about what's happening that they're, and they don't have kind of meaningful information about any developments. They just have been like shuttling people back and forth to the spaceship. They've been like, so they are not getting any real awareness Mm -hmm. of if progress is being made. So they um, set up a bomb inside of the room where Louise and Ian speak to Abbott and Costello. Um, They also, there's some shooting going on underneath the ship. Um, And as the bomb is about to go off, Abbott and Costello release like hundreds of symbols all at once. Um, And eventually, I think, don't they like push Ian and... Louise out of that room like as the bomb is about to go off
1: yeah I think so
0: I yeah I think because so the way I interpreted that is like those symbols were telling them get the fuck out of here there's a bomb in the room you know but they couldn't
1: right they couldn't
0: and that's why there were so many it was like the equivalent of someone shouting run you know like get out um But so then because the dumb humans weren't getting it, they just pushed them out before the blast happens. Um, Because then there was a pretty cool scene where we see Jeremy Renner and Amy Adams kind of like blasted out um, of the room in a weird perpendicular direction. So when they finally... um, get back to the camp after this, that this explosion and the subsequent chaos has confirmed to everyone in the American camp that they too, um, like these aliens are dangerous. We need to evacuate. We need to like, China has gone dark. And so we have to assume that things are going badly. Um, We then get a newscast that specifically says that China has declared war on the heptapods, so it's like, well, now we've been pushed into this kind of DEFCON 5 situation. Um, And Louise is looking at this final message that Abba and Costello had sent that's like all of the blast of information all at once. Um, Mm -hmm. She is also flashing back as this is happening. Um, And finally, they... Ian points out that the symbol for time is repeatedly used in this big message. Um, and then they subsequently mm. learn that the message is saying that um they need to work together. Like all of the the if there is any reason as to why the 12 ships landed where they did, the reason was to force people from all of those different countries to work together um, to figure out this language issue. Um, And so all throughout this, Louise continues to be flashing back to different moments in her daughter's life. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she kind of ultimately feels compelled to go up into the UFO one last time. And this is happening like as the camp is being locked down. Um, I don't fully understand how this happens, but when she gets into the UFO, she like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Cause the UFO changes its position after the bomb is set off. So it's like kind of harder to get into it from the ground, but then they send down a little, hmm, what would I call it? Space elevator? Um, like a little shuttle pod, I don't really know, but like this other smaller thing comes down to the ground to pick up uh, Louise and bring her into the UFO. And as she's in the little elevator, it starts filling with fog and she floats and then she's brought into like the space where the heptapods live, which is this like foggy space. Um, and Mm -hmm. she speaks with the, I guess it's mostly Costello who's speaking to her because, um, the first message that it says is Abbott is death process. Um, and I think what that means is Abbott is dying. Um, yeah. And so then Costello goes on to say, Louise has weapon, use weapon. Um, and she's like, I don't understand you know what you mean and then we get kind of the only indication of like the reason quote-unquote of why these aliens are here and Costello says we help humanity in 3,000 years we need um humanity help so um it's It's unclear precisely, and we never learn what's going to happen in 3,000 years and how we might be helpful to these aliens. Um, But as soon as this is revealed, they tell Louise, like, you can see the future. Um, And this is when, as a viewer, we realize that what we have been... Everything goes to hell. (laughs) Well, everything goes to hell, but like um, what we have been perceiving as flashbacks are actually flashes forward. And so then we go to this scene by the lake where Louise is talking to her daughter. Her daughter looks like maybe about eight or nine in this scene. And we learn more about this divorce situation. And Louise yeah. is like, dad was angry at me because I didn't tell him something that I knew was going to happen. And the daughter is like, oh, like why? I mean, but so we're like, okay. And and so to to work toward explaining in case you have some questions emerging at this point, Yeah. Um, because we've seen this whole movie, we know that Louise's daughter will get into her teen years and then will become quite ill with something. Yeah. Um, And Louise tells us in this moment that it's a very rare disease, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, okay, so Louise has her daughter, even though she already knows that the daughter will not survive into adulthood. And whoever the father is um, feels that Louise should have told him this at some time in the past. So, And so this is the reason that they get divorced is that he's so angry that she never told him. Meanwhile, we come yeah. we come back to the present. Um, the camp is finally like super chaotic, being evacuated. Louise keeps um, flashing to these experiences with her daughter and now we know that she's you know flashing forward. So we see her pull out um, a book that she will write in the future. And it's called, I think it's the title is something like the universal language or something. Um, And we Mm -hmm. see that she's written the book with Ian. Um, And when she opens up the book in the future to look at its um, like content, we come back to the present. And all of a sudden she's like, I understand their language. I understand it perfectly. And as and it turns out that if you understand heptopod language for real, really and truly, it does what Ian said, which is it rewires your brain. And specifically, it changes your perception of time. That you're you're now now go on.
1: <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, I don't like that. I don't like I... that. Yeah, like I wouldn't want to learn it then if I found that out about it. It would be be a lot. That's not for me.
0: Yeah, it would be a lot.
1: I mean, there's some... Okay, listen. The idea of time being either cyclical, not linear, whatever it is, never ending, there's no start, there's no beginning. There's part of that that seems alluring. For example, her daughter has died, yet it seems like
0: she can always she still be has, with her. Like, active.
1: Yeah. yeah. But then on the flip side, like do you experience that death more than once? Because that seems horrible.
0: You experience all of it whenever you want, I think, is the thing that we're trying to say here. Can
1: you control, like, oh.
0: Like, I don't know I don't if know. it's it's like not it, so much control. It's like how would I put it? It's as though you're experiencing all the moments of your life simultaneously from beginning to end.
1: Yeah. That's overwhelming. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> that, like, and that I feel like
0: because my brain would explode. Because, in, I mean, the, the truth of it is, is like if that, because this movie makes it seem like actually what Louise is experiencing is a relatively compact. Um, part of her life, which is the start yeah. of her romantic relationship, the birth of her daughter, the life of her daughter, the end of the romantic relationship, the end of her daughter's life. Like, it's like yeah. one cycle of thing and that's what she's seeing. But the reality is right. that, in fact, what you'd be experiencing is all of your life. Your
1: whole life.
0: At, yeah, at so an, like, kind of any time So you're moment.
1: simultaneously... Yeah, you're... Si- Which I think is weird.
0: (laughs) I mean, I think there's probably a reason human beings don't perceive time this way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I think, like, perceiving, like, being 10 years old when you're actually 50 or whatever, like, that's, like, all well and good, I guess, for, like, the 50-year-old brain. I feel like that's weird for the 10-year-old to be, like... I don't know. That's just, like, it's all very strange. I feel like it could be very traumatic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think even the whole thing is, like, even for this movie to make sense to us, I mean, it's made by human beings. It's watched by human beings. Like, they can't really capture actually what this would mean. Because it's, like, it's actually not possible for us to conceive of, that's the whole thing. I
1: barely... Like, heptapods... I could barely conceive it as they did it.
0: Right. Because And then the other question could be, because the heptopod, So, like, when Castello is, like, in 3,000 years, we're going to need you. And so that's why we're here now. Yeah. Um, and presumably, the reason that they can do that is because they know the future like from our perspective they know the future so they right. know about what happens in these three thousand years and human development and right blah 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 but the thing that right. i i wonder is like do heptopods one how long do they live like is the reason why costello thousand years apparently. yeah well that's what i mean is it is it that you perceive time as cyclical or just one big circle And the circle is just the length of your own life? Or is it really that you can think like you can even leave your own time line and see kind of can I go back to the to see the bubonic plague? Can I go forward to see flying cars? Like, or is it confined to my lifetime? Is that, you know, like they don't answer that question it's unclear to me and but like you know that is something else that is something that really i don't think human beings can meaningfully appreciate um but in the case of this movie this is important because um when we get back into the present timeline things are going bad fast and it seems like we're about to have this massive war with china Blah, 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 blah. China's on the verge of doing something. Um, It's kind of unclear what they aim to do. Um, But then, conveniently, Louise jumps to another moment in the future where she's at a fancy reception and she meets um, General Shang, who is the Chinese general that's been featured throughout this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's, like, so pleased to meet her. He's like... When you called me 18 months ago, um, you said the words that my dying wife said to me, like her last words, um, were the first words you said to me, um, and it meant so much. And so this is where we learn that what these words were, were in war, there are no winners, only widows. Um, And so basically, it's like, you know, war is hell, probably don't do it sort of thing. Um, Yeah, probably not worth it, guys. Yeah. And what's interesting about this interaction is so General Shang tells her this, and he has a very knowing look, and he's like, here, let me give you my private phone number. (laughs) And she's like, wait, (laughs) what? But then because she's figured out that she experiences time in this way, he gives her the number that she needs in the present. He gives it to her in the future so that she can have it in the present. Get it?
1: Yeah, this part, I i mean, I understood this particular interaction. Yeah. It was all the other life stuff that got a little confusing. Yeah.
0: So Louise, then back in the present, she's at the military camp. She manages to steal a sat phone. She calls General Shang. She tells him his wife's last words. Um, and then we see all the newscasts blaring. China has decided to stand down. Everyone's sharing information together. Um, everything is kind of worked out as it's meant to work out. And all of the UFOs and haptopods leave. And the final kind of moments of the movie are a series of kind of different flashes of Louise and her family, um, which we now know is going forward, that she's about to start this adventure of having a daughter, having a family, and that Ian will be her husband, the father of Hannah, who will eventually find out that Hannah has a terminal disease and will divorce Louise, because Louise will never tell him about it. Um,
1: and... So that, I feel like that, that particular life is a weird one to live non-linearly. Because yeah. you know a lot of stuff going in that you might make different choices. Well, that's
0: could, that's guess, what made but... me legitimately have tears running down my cheeks at the end of this. And is actually making me well up right now. Because basically... Louise is like, this is going to end. No, I'm trying not to, but like she's like, I know this is going to end. This is going to end as bad as it could end. You know, like,
1: and she still, and she I still doesn't. And the thing is, yeah. And the thing is, a lot of, I mean, humans are dumb, but like. Many people say in their own lives, like, I mean, of course, a lot of people would take back certain things, but generally, when we're talking about like people and experiences, yeah, shitty stuff happens, but you would do it anyway. Do I do I regret this? No, I I don't like good stuff for the fact that, right, it the end result wasn't the best, right? You know, right? So, I so it's so it is that is a That is a heady issue that generally, um, I think, sci-fi movies don't quite touch on.
0: (laughs) Right. And, like, to me, it was, like, so love is always a gamble. Uh, It opens you up to severe, like, upset, torment, trauma, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And she still goes forward, like, completely with it in a way that I guess probably all of us do, but like, you know, if I, you know, there's one thing to being like, oh yeah, I vaguely understand that having a child, getting into a relationship might result in some troubles for me, you know? Like there's that, you, you always know that technically
1: like sure. um but if you know like the actual specifics, right right like but that that, yeah. that
0: she and and so we all kind of like toss the dice and are like I, I'll hopefully the good outweighs the bad whatever but right. like that she she knows it <laughs> like she knows it yeah and she goes forward anyway I was just like a puddle on my couch and I was like okay well
1: and I was just sitting at my tv going I was just there, like, uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, yeah. But now, thinking about it more, I, I get it more. Yeah. So
0: let's. Do you have any final questions before we move on to yawns and eye rolls, or do, is it clearer now? No, happened?
1: I think I think I'm I think I'm up to date. Great,
0: great. Um. I get it. So in terms of yawns, one yawn is this was quite engaging I you know really bought in and Tenyon's is like this put me to fucking sleep I couldn't care less
1: what would you give it <laughs> um I would say I will say uh, my general critique of most movies it's a wee too long yeah um, it's like 20 minutes too long for me and
0: personally. and just as a um, test as we always do what's the running time
1: An hour 56. Of course.
0: Correct. Good work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So like 20 minutes. I like an hour 30, hour 40. Yeah. And I. That's my sweet spot.
0: I even feel like if even just 10 minutes had been shaved off, I would have appreciated that. That probably would
1: have helped at least. And it's not even that there was like anything. I couldn't tell you what it would be. But like. Right. Yeah, just a little long for me. So so for that reason alone, I will say like a three or a four on the yawning.
0: Yeah, and I think I would have the same critique but give it a two because I was pretty with it the whole time. But it's like, yeah, it would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Just throw me a bone and like make it yeah. 146. Yeah, throw me a
1: bone of an hour, 30, 40. And yeah.
0: And- <laughs> um, in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is yeah, this seemed realistic enough. <laughs> and uh, 10 eye rolls is like, just I, like, you know, this is too fantastical. I couldn't
1: accept this. It's funny because <laughs> the things that I will buy, I would say overall I'm pretty gullible. Um And if someone tells me a thing is that way, like, I generally be like, okay, if I don't know about it anyway. Mm. So I do feel like I bought this, like, because it's well done, because it's, like, all, like, A-list type of actors and not, like, hacky acting kind of stuff. Like, I pretty much bought it. So I don't know that it was very eye-rolly. It's a little bit different take. Again, a, a different take on... Some sci-fi stuff that I haven't seen. So I would say I roll factors pretty low. I'll say like a two, I guess, just to- Yeah. I
0: agree with you. I would give it a two as well. And for me, it's more because of what I raised about like the way they're portraying this language acquisition thing. Seems like even though they did involve linguists, it from the Wikipedia page, it's like they involved linguists in creating the symbols for the alien language. It didn't seem like they asked them like, "Does this feel like a realistic way Follow-up to questions? do this?" <laughs> you know, that seemed yeah. like it. That was a little bit more loosey goosey, and yeah, and perhaps was so because it's like, like yeah, I looked it at needs the way. To be entertaining. It, well, and also it needs to be understandable to just normal people who are not linguists. Dumb-dumbs. Like, um, yes. like I still can't like even. Me. <laughs> well, like even me, where I'm looking at the page about linguistics, and I still don't totally get what it is like, or what what the different yeah. branches of it are, you know. So, like, um, I'm sure a linguist would say, no, this is not really accurately capturing how we do this. It has certain kind of elements, um, because yeah. I mean, any because if talking you about anytime, yeah, if you were to show how it's really done, then isn't that fun? And regular people insane. yeah like regular people would just be like what the fuck like i don't get this I mean, just like
1: just like most most disciplines or most things like if you're an expert on something if something is your real day to day job if you know a lot about a specific industry generally if there's a movie about it it ain't going to be that accurate. Right, right. <laughs> Sometimes, for sure. I suppose. But, like, generally, it's, you know, they got to spice it up and they've got to make it palatable for a large audience. So it's hard to, like...
0: Right. You can't really show how it might... Those two things. ...actually work. But, so that's my only yeah. kind of small thing is, like, it feels a bit like that mm-hmm. got glossed over. Um And normally that wouldn't even matter... Except that this seems, like, super essential to the very structure of the story. So I'm like, this seems weird, but, you know, what are you going to do? But so, then finally, did you like this, and would you recommend it?
1: Yeah, I liked it fine. Um, It's probably not one I would ever, like, go back and watch for funsies or anything.
0: It's not Um, super fun as a movie.
1: (laughs) Nah. Nah. Um... Yeah, would I recommend it? Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. I guess so because it was like very mainstreamy. I wouldn't like feel weird if someone was like that sucked. I'd be like, yeah, well, okay, fine. But like it's all the weird stuff that I feel weirder about like recommending to someone. This is pretty like Yeah, this is pretty though.
0: tame, I it's, would say.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I would sure I would. If you if you have access to it for free, I don't know that I'd go out of my way for it per se, but Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I would say I liked it. I would recommend it. And I would maybe especially recommend it to be like, this sounds maybe especially weird, and I hope it's not another kind of opportunity for you to say like yikes about my personal time. Um, Uh Uh-oh. But like on a Sunday night, I like to watch like a longer, maybe slightly more like, "Quote unquote serious good movie, right? Um, and it's mm-hmm. good for that. Like, oh, okay. tonight I'm gonna like watch something that maybe like is a little bit, um,
1: a little bit more of a think piece. Yeah,
0: like not educational per you know, se. Not
1: biodome. Not biodome. <laughs> not <for>
0: bio-dome. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, that's that's more of a Friday Saturday night vehicle. A, um, yeah, yeah, but." Yeah. Yeah, I like on a Sunday, like after you've, you know, like I've cleaned my house, everything's in order, I've made myself a nice grown up. Dinner, like, um, aren't aren't I like
1: prep yourself for the week of the week ahead
0: of being
1: a grown up? Yeah. Okay, I pretended I wasn't a grown up for a couple days. Let me get back into
0: it. Well, not that I pretended, but by the by week's end, I was really the wheels were falling off my adulthood behaviors. So, like, (laughs) let's get back onto them. Let's watch a serious grown up movie and think about our lives or whatever. Um, So it's good for that kind of a vibe it, whether or not that happens yeah, for you on a Sunday I don't know but like um yeah. it's good in that way well so I would say this that was sense generally too. a success though it did have a bunch of gray ships slowly
1: around it did luckily like <laughs> yeah luckily we weren't like in space like that was harder for me like there still was a lot of earthbound material that I could grasp onto so that that was a help yes
0: so a pleasure as always Amy I am Sarah and we will see you next week in space Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.